when there's uh, NFT that everyone is minting, you have a social component. So we started to see a lot of social activity um, on chain, while at the same time, we saw a lot of challenges in the traditional social networking space and came up with a lot of ideas, actually how we could use something like the blockchain to solve some of these challenges, uh, but at the same time, making blockchain more social. So it's a stack for, for the end users, but also it's a stack for developers to build uh, social media experiences with, with, with web trade technology. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of Fourth Revolution Capital. Podcast guests and 4RC may have positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Hey everyone, welcome to the Edge Podcast. I'm DeFi Dad from Fourth Revolution Capital, and I'm joined here by my co-host from 4RC Nomadic. Today, we're talking with the legendary DeFi founder, Stani Kulichev. He is one of the earliest builders in DeFi, going back to what was once called ETHLAND, but now today is fondly known as Aave. Aave is the most popular dApp in DeFi. It is a place where you can lend tokens and you can borrow against your deposited collateral. Beginning in 2021, Stani made the bold move of jumpstarting another wildly challenging Web3 startup that would ultimately provide a self-sovereign alternative to social media called Lens. Lens is a decentralized, composable social layer. You can think of it as not your keys, not your follower graph, and it has proven to be the most foundational Lego in the decentralized social stack, especially in jumpstarting a Web3 alternative to something like Twitter or Instagram. Today, Lens commands the most engaged Web3 social community with 117,000 unique users. It's something I post on daily, and it's also where we post all of our Edge podcast videos and clips called Lens to Bytes. So we're here today to talk about their recently announced scaling solution, which is called Momoka. It is intended to help scale decentralized social for a mass consumer adoption base. Okay, so before we get started, just a quick word from our sponsors who make the Edge podcast possible. Introducing Mantle. Mantle is the first modular layer two solution built for hyperscale dApps. We separate execution, data availability, and transaction finality into separate layers. This allows us to increase transaction throughput while keeping fees low and maintaining the security and decentralized nature of Ethereum. Join us in building on Mantle Testnet today and be a part of the future of Web3. Whether you're a trader, farmer, analyst, or newbie, you can trade smart with KyberSwap, the OG decentralized exchange and aggregator on 13 chains. Swap at the best rates, farm with real yields, set limit orders, use their proprietary trading and AI tools with the best UX in DeFi, securely and permissionlessly. Get better rates, better opportunities, better alpha, and a better trading experience. Trade smart now at kyberswap.com. Gtrade by Gains Network is a decentralized leveraged trading platform, allowing users to synthetically trade crypto, forex, stocks, and commodities with up to 1,000x leverage. Gtrade is live on both Polygon and Arbitrum, with over 30 billion in all-time trading volume and nearly 50 million in vault liquidity. The platform has consistently been among the top earning protocols, with seven-figure monthly revenue and a net deflationary token. Gtrade has become an on-chain stable for both traders and yield seekers. Check them out at gains.trade or by searching Gains Network on Twitter. 
future of Web3 is bright, but crypto startups, DAOs, and on-chain organizations can't scale without tooling to power world-class financial and payment operations. Introducing Utopia, your all-in-one platform to create, execute, and understand your Gnosis-safe transactions. Execute payroll 10x faster through automated payment plans. Coordinate reimbursements and accounts payable through payment requests. Execute multi-sig transactions faster with your global team through signing links. View, label, and categorize all of your safe transactions in one place. Start managing your on-chain payments today by going to utopialabs.com. To get started with gasless payments, message Utopia's co-founder on Twitter at 0xKaito. It all started so simply with CryptoKitties and Maker on Ethereum, but quickly became complex with more applications and many chains. Today, everyone agrees UX issues are the biggest blocker standing in the way of crypto adoption. Introducing Avocado. Multi-chain UX redesigned from the ground up. The first wallet to abstract networks, accounts, and gas. One gas tank to pay transaction fees on all chains in USDC. And native access to Instadap's powerful, custom DeFi strategies. Avocado, one wallet to rule all chains. Given how well-known Stani is and what I've already shared about his background, we're just going to hop right into it so we can really maximize our time here and learn about Momoka. So on that note, Stani, welcome to the Edge podcast. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks for um, having me at DeFi Dad, and thanks for the um, incredible uh, introduction. I've probably never been introduced so uh, well in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. Uh Normally, especially with the new DeFi founders or new Web3 builders, it's so important, right, to kind of give that background. Like everybody wants to know, like, who is this person? Where do they come from? But I was kind of uh, laughing as I was trying to come up with like a background for you because I'm like, does anybody really not know who Stani is at this point? I mean, it's like we got Ave, we got Lens, and we got all sorts of other projects that you have some hand in. So why don't we go ahead and and just Talk a bit about Lens to kick off in case someone is is new to Lens and, and they're discovering this uh, alternative to Web2 social media. I guess, like, what is the motivation for having set out to build Lens? Like, what are some of the problems that you're addressing with it? Uh, and then also, too, if you could remind us, how does Lens relate to Aave? Yeah, I mean... It's it's definitely a unique problem to solve um, in, in in the Web three ecosystem. Um, I, I I think what we've been doing um, at Aave for since the beginning we've uh, we've been focusing kind of uh, on the element that you know now 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 that we have a uh, programmable infrastructure the uh, Ethereum virtual machine, so you could actually create interesting programmable uh, finance. Um, and that was quite interesting because we were able to build um, a, a protocol, um, the other protocol that you know provides uh, ability to uh, get yield on your cryptographic assets without giving um, custody um, the keys of your um, holdings, um, and and while maintaining a lot of um, transparency uh, and execution that you really don't need to trust to change um, that easily basically guaranteed by smart contracts, uh, a formal governance pro process uh, with the Aave DAO. Um, and, and somehow, like, my favorite part about uh, the Aave protocol itself and 
things that we are building is that um, I, I've been always intrigued by the idea of how blockchain can actually build accessible technology and opportunities. Uh, with other protocol, it really works the same way for the every single user um, that you might have, uh, regardless what is the background of the user, um, what part of the world they're um, transacting. And this is important for me because I've 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 grew up over the internet, and uh, for me, I I realized kind of like how much being able to access to information, knowledge, um, and uh, connections over the internet helped me through my life because I've I come from a more, uh, smaller uh, country from Finland from the Nordics and um, it's been giving me a lot of access to information. So with with um, uh, with DeFi, we've we've increased access uh, to financial opportunity. And after I think of it, um, I think it was roughly two years ago, um, and the. The, the protocol has definitely been a, a successful uh, part of, of, of our work um, and now managed in a very decentralized way by the other uh, community while we're still uh, contributing. But we saw another big kind of like a challenge is that um, there's a lot of social actions um, on, on chain. So if you think about DeFi, um, that's a social behavior. So in, in most cases, when people are you know, participating uh, into various different uh, pools, they do it because some other people are are doing as well. So there's a social behavior. Um, when there's uh, NFT that everyone is minting, you have a social component. So we started to see a lot of social activity um, on chain, um, while at the same time, we saw a lot of challenges in the traditional social networking space um, and came up with a lot of ideas, actually how we could use um, something like um, the blockchain to solve some of these challenges, uh, but at the same time making blockchain more social. So how we can actually create uh, a social layer for the whole uh, Web3. So that kick-started the uh, Lens project, and we basically took um, a lot of the social networking artifacts. So I, I call them artifacts because they're just not only features, but but behavior that we do um, online that is kind of like a repeated and a behavior that we also do offline, um, such as creating connections, uh, connecting with people, um, uh, creating a profile, so basically your appearance, um, and then distributing content, sharing content. And we put those things into different kinds of uh, protocol guarantees. So Lens is, is, is quite interesting because it's not only a smart contract-based protocol, but there's a heavy infrastructure there that provides those different guarantees that the same way as you hold your assets, whether that, that is uh, crypto, you can hold your profile and have the ownership and the follower base. But there is also a significant um, kind of like an off-chain um, infrastructure and also kind of like a hybrid in between that we will be talking uh, today about the uh, Momoka. So... It's a stack for, for the end users, but also it's a stack for developers to build uh, social media experiences with, with, with web trade technology. Stani, I, I love that answer. I love kind of like the organic nature that you arrived at, at building Lens just through kind of like your workings and learnings with DeFi and the NFT space. Um, so to kind of get into Lens, I believe last time I checked, there's around 117,000 Lens handles and my understanding is 
the Lens team has been limiting access to users currently due to some scaling challenges. Is is that fair to say? Well, the way we the way we actually went by um, launching the protocol. So something that is very fascinating that it's almost a year um, since the version one of the protocol was launched in in the Polygon mainnet. Um, so it's it's kind of like an interesting time for for the team and and the early users. But we've we've launched it as a more of a experimental beta protocol. Um, so we we knew that there is sort of infrastructure that we have to build um, to scale beyond, let's say, even to scale the maximum that we could within the, the Web3 communities that we uh, we have in the ecosystem now, but also beyond that, um, to scale to users that that might not um, have used ever uh, Web3, never had a Ethereum address or any other, um, haven't had any crypto even in their uh, wallet. So we knew that there's going to be a lot of infrastructural work beyond the smart contract itself. So what we did in the very early, uh, we actually created a manifesto where you basically, if you liked what we were manifesting about Web3 Social, you could actually sign that manifest uh, with your wallet um, and confirm with your uh, Twitter uh, account. And effectively, you ended up into a list where you will be able to um, claim a handle. And then we had different kinds of uh, ways of actually looking into what are active communities uh, on Web3 and using that Web3 footprint that comes of uh, holding a particular NFT or participating in a particular DAO um, and whitelisting those addresses to claim um, the, the the profile. So trying to do it in a very kind of like a wide open way without um, fully going uh, in full blast onboarding uh, every single uh, users that we can in this early um, stage. And we've noticed that we're in a kind of like a tipping point where uh, we have over 100,000 100, um, profiles minted, but it's not really um, a metric that we really follow that much. Um, I think like for us, we more are looking into the kind of like a economical metric of how people are using um, Lens, what kind of content they might be collecting, um, what kind of um, interactions and engagements are important for them, um, and, and trying to build towards that direction where uh, we're able to serve that um, on a scale. So there is definitely like a good amount of uh, profiles minted, um, but it's it's definitely not, not our uh, main metric. And also because it's quite tiny compared to uh, more broader um, social media. It, it's, it's, we're really in the very kind of like a, um, I think the, the one year anniversary tells it all. It's, it, we're still a very young protocol in that sense. So you can imagine having a kid that is one year old um, and how much involvement there, there will be at that level from going on. You tweeted out quite a while ago, but yeah, congrats. We, everyone I think is aware based on that cheeky little tweet of yours that uh, you must have your first baby on the way. So we're all excited for that, but grateful for the baby that is Lens and Ave as well. <laughs> so, uh, sorry babies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, before we talk more specifically about, uh, some of the, the scaling challenges and then how Momoka might solve for that, I uh, also wanted to just remind folks, like, how do you think about Lens competing with 
legacy social media? Um, or does it even have to? Because I think the default assumption for folks who do learn about Lens is, oh, this thing means to displace it. This thing has to be Twitter and Instagram and Facebook in order for it to quote unquote win. And my understanding is your, your vision is, you know, very different from this. So how do you think about uh, being an alternative versus actually becoming like a replacement to legacy social media? Yeah, I, I would say that um, there's been a lot of kind of discussions of how, how maybe the, the, the social media landscape today, um, how it's built um, online, isn't necessarily best way of, of serving the um, the um, the internet users, let's say. Um, but something we forget quite easily is that um, those big social media platforms actually made it easier to share ideas. Um, so, you know, anyone can go with any of the um, social media platforms and you can share, you know, a lot of ideas, a lot of content. You might um, get followers, um, and, you know, in, in some of these platforms, not, not, not all of them, uh, but some will even share revenue with you. So like the, the actual, um, landscape for social, um, isn't that bad. But then when we think about, uh, what it could be, like how much better it could be, um, I think there's kind of like where lens comes into play because, um, we kind of are trying to change a bit the dynamics um, and the mindset of how social can be built uh, in the future, um, and especially providing certain type of guarantees uh, from the Lens Protocol um, that that establish ownership of your profile, you, you know, the the followers that you um, might have, your audience, um, and just changing the dynamics where um, the users aren't just um, uh, visitors of, of, of a platform, but actually whatever they create, whatever social capital they are forming, distributing, um, um, and connections they're make, making, they actually follow them everywhere they go. So it's, it's, it's more self-sovereign, um, uh, social media. And what it does then is that, um, you kind of have this effect where you go from one social media application to another on lens and you have everything you, you basically own intact. Um, and it changes the re relationship between users and the platforms, clients, and you know, um, even, even the protocol, how we build this future of social, because we kind of can ask more from um, the platforms, uh, the, the clients, you know, and even as, as a group of users from the protocol, what we users need and want, what we want to own. And that means that um, it creates more um, engagement of actually building just better uh, innovation on social. So just to give you one example is that um, on Lens, all the data is um, publicly available. So anyone can compute on that data. So you can compute um, more fair algorithm, maybe an algorithm that favors small uh, podcasters um, across the whole protocol. Uh, favors more small artists and has a better um, discovery there, has some sort of a, uh, interesting mechanism of social proofing. Maybe it helps you to find smaller artists uh, that your peers and their peers uh, might be uh, excited about. So like it creates, creates a lot of choice and flexibility uh, uh, for the users. So like um, 
the, the way we see it, it, there's a lot of challenges in social media uh, and we're trying to just provide more flexibility and choice for the users. The, the users should be able to choice, uh, ex choose experiences, uh, choose algorithms, um, and then choose their monetization. They, they should choose whether they should be able to earn on a piece of a content that they create um, and who they want to earn with and, and share that, that benefit um, as, as well. Stani, just as a quick aside, I kind of explained this idea of the social graph to my 71-year-old father, who's very slow to adopt technology. And I said, yeah, what if you could just take all your data and identity on a social platform from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything you built up kind of free flow to the other platform? He's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. So uh, he, he immediately got the value prop. Uh, somebody who just got on email, I think five years ago. So I think, uh, I think there's something here. Somehow, uh, I, I think, uh, Web3 Social might be a case where we're actually able to reach more, more, um, users into the space because effectively there's less of financial component necessarily involved, meaning that we might be able to build better tools to onboard, um, new user groups. And, um, I, I like the fact that. Um, everything is happening on the same network. So that means that you can build relatively quickly an application or experience, um, and then you can you, you can provide that access to an existing user base. It's kind of the same way if you think about like Ethereum, for example, like you want to create something on Ethereum, and if you have an address, you're able to, let's say, mint an NFT or maybe... Um, buy an asset in, from a decentralized ex exchange. Um, so, so basically with Web3 Social, it, it's basically just extending that to any user-generated content or any relationship you want to create from one uh, person in the space uh, with another one. And I, I think a lot of the things can actually be abstracted away uh, quite easily. So you you might be able to interact with Lens protocol without actually needing to understand what's the cryptography or the blockchain-based guarantees behind the scenes, or you know, you might just need an email um, or a phone number in the future. And I think that's going to be a game changer because um, if you are able to onboard new demographics, um, that is what creates more economy for Web3. Yep. Maybe before we dive further into Momoka. Um... One of the kind of interesting parts of Lens as compared to, uh, I guess, some of these other decentralized social platforms like Farcaster and Noster is that you've kind of made the tougher initial design, design decision to uh, put all the transactions on chain. Um, maybe speak to that decision of, of choosing that, what, what I would say is maybe the harder path from the outset. Well, actually, it was quite easy, Pat, because... Um... What Lens does, it's it's basically allows you that guarantee. But as a application builder, you can still choose not to uh, put transactions on chain. Um, and also, there, there's the the most typical example how clients are actually building on Lens is that um, they're creating on chain transactions, for example. Um, but the the content itself is just pointed with a linking to data availability layer or something like IPFS or RVEV, or it could go directly to a S3 um, cloud. So, so basically you can, you can, you can 
at privacy layers and, and, and whatnot. So what the protocol actually does, it just says that um, you have a tool set of all these guarantees. Um, it's up to you to choose whatever use, use case you have um, and you need to support um, your application. And that's why I always talk about like the artifacts of social networking and what of those things that you actually um, need. And it's actually been interesting because um, it's trading transactions on chain solves the data availability aspect, which is especially important if you have content that you want to be um, some somehow tokenized and and you can make an asset out of it, which is very important for creators, for example. That might be music NFTs. That might be a, a clips of a podcast, memorable events um, like this. Um, it could be a movie. Um, it can be also token gated, um, which is something that is supported through Live Protocol um, across the Lens uh, ecosystem. So um, it also means that it, it might be an access to something through uh, token gating as well. Um, and this was the, the, the main way of um, creating content uh, on Lens. And obviously then Momoka changed quite everything because um, we decided that to scale the protocol, you there's a big benefit out of on-chain transactions, but you need also transactions where you don't need that on-chain component, but you might want to have the uh, data availability. So basically kind of like a compromise uh, in between um, what, what we have and expanding that uh, tech stack. Meet Stater Labs, a non-custodial multi-chain liquid staking platform. With over 40,000 users across six chains, Stater is just about to launch EFAX, a decentralized liquid staking token on Ethereum. Backed by some of the biggest names in crypto, their multiple audits with top security firms, bug bounties, and real-time monitoring are a testimony to their emphasis on security and safety. With a unique multi-pool architecture and tokenomics, EFAX empowers stakers everywhere to run a node with as little as four ETH and earn 35% more than solo stakers. Sign up for their EFEX Alpha today and be the first to know about $1 million in staker rewards. Ethereum is fully decentralized and Liquidity is a shining example of decentralization. Liquidity is a non-upgradable protocol where users can deposit their ETH and take out a loan interest-free. Users get their loans in LUSD, an unstoppable Ethereum native stablecoin that is solely backed by Ether. You can use Liquidity to buy real-world assets or to earn yield across 20-plus places in DeFi. More risk-tolerant users can also use the protocol to lever up on their ETH. With over 750 million worth of ETH locked into Liquidity's unstoppable contracts, get access to real DeFi. DeFi that's immutable, capital-efficient, and fully decentralized. Learn more at liquidity.org. All right, so let's get to, I think the reason all of us are are here, I really wanna get into Momoka as this scaling solution for Lens. Uh, a few weeks back, uh, we saw a tweet come out introducing, at the time it was called Bonsai, but since then the, the name has been changed to Momoka. We choose a name that was already, uh, uh, there was a scaling solution to that. That was actually quite, uh, um, quite unfortunate, but at the same time, like, we we basically admitted that we we made a mistake. We we name it to to something that already existed. It's a great name, yeah, yeah. To their credit, it was a it's a great name. But I and I like their project. It's it's more zk based. 
uh, scaling. So it doesn't have any um, any linkage or any similarities in, in the uh, tech stack. Um, but it was actually funny because we were asking then the community members, well, what we should name actually then? Um, uh, the, uh, the 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 what well, what could be the new name for uh, bonsai and and then back and forth we went and momoka was something that uh, people really liked um, a lot um, and I'm quite happy because it's it means a, a tree type uh, in, in in Japanese and it, it's 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 part of the whole kind of like a garden um, digital garden um, landscape that we we have in our branding as well. In this tweet thread, you start to lay out uh, the, the plans or the blueprint for scaling lens. <clears throat> you describe Amoka as an optimistic L3 scaling solution that will process transactions at hyperscale and is designed to support the next generation of Web3 social users. So, yeah, can you help break that down for our audience? Yeah, in, in its simplicity, um, if you look what we actually can do on, on, on the blockchain, blockchain side, so the, the, the biggest challenge about um, Web3 social or let's say blockchain-based social or wh whatever that uh, path, is, path is, even like um, the federated models, is that how do you deal with synchronization? Um, but also in terms of blockchain, like how do you deal with the amount of data and the transaction that is happening um, and how do, you, how do you actually process that? So... When it comes to any single blockchain, the one of the challenging part is that you're always going to be limited by uh, the block size, um, basically, and the, um, the 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 block uh, space. So, how many transactions you can actually execute and create in a one single block? And there's different kinds of limitations. You know, um, for example, in Polygon, it's going to be you know with the POS, it's going to be under hundred. Um, some blockchain might might have uh, more uh, throughput. Um, they might have bigger blocks block size that allows to do that. But eventually, there's always kind of like a a cap a cap how much you can make. And this isn't really uh, feasible. This is very good. Like using a blockchain is very good for uh, profiles. It's it's very good for um, securing your audience. Um, it's very good of tokenizing whatever you create, your creativity, you know, that might be like music, audio, video, um, and, and, um, and also maybe sharing and anything to do with the monetization uh, layer when you need to, you know, share um, revenue with other users, uh, collect revenue. So those things are incredible good things to do with the blockchain because that gives you the guarantees and the security because... Blockchain is all about that security aspect. Um, but then when you have actually um, transactions where you don't really need that, so let's say that you might wanna want to data availability. So when you look at, for example, Mastodon, when it comes to data availability, Mastodon is, is federated model, right? So when you go into one server, um, if the host decides to put the server down, everyone use it, loses their data. So whatever you created, um, shared, um, that might be gone. Um, and data availability is for actually ensuring that that data still exists. So whatever your uh, creations are. So the beautiful thing about data availability is that it works 
in a completely different way than a blockchain. So um, you can create massive amount of data and store on a data availability layer, which basically means that you're not limited to the the, the block time or the, the block space of, of creating transactioning. You can actually transact as much as you want and create data as much as you want and periodically store it um, on a data availability layer, which is um, incredible because that is the kind of scale you need if you take Web3 social uh, from the content perspective um, into more uh, wider adoption. And Momoka, what Momoka actually does, it, it uses those data availability layers, but it's basically a verification protocol for data um, scaling or just data. We could put it in that simple way. So what Momoka allows you to, to do is um, run a submitter uh, or a verifier. So submitter is someone who submits data um, in, in particular form. Um, and verifiers are the ones that actually look into the data that is um, submitted into these data availability layers uh, that it, it's in correct form and it has been executed in a correct way uh, by the submitter. So um, if you think about it, the use case here is um, lens, uh, posts, and comments, but actually you could apply this into anything where you need uh, a massive scale um, for that data part. Uh, so it effectively is a data verification um, protocol. Um, and down the line, what you can add also is that these um, data verifiers have to come up with a network agreement and agree as a kind of like a consensus that the data is correct. And you can add incentives models um, and slashing for the submitters. So it's basically an incredible tool of um, creating transactions uh, without rolling them back into on-chain, putting into a data availability layer, but also um, uh, having a way to verify that whatever we put there is correct because we have a formal process for that and there's multiple verifiers uh, doing that. So it feels very complicated, but it's as simple as just taking a bunch of transactions, putting into the data availability layer, verifying them, them and having a good process for that. That's as simple it is. Awesome. So maybe just to reiterate a few things and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Stani, but um, it sounds like you still want to kind of use uh, Polygon block space for creating a profile and, and a lot of those like first foundational um, processes that kind of like, uh, I guess, like lock in your identity uh, on Lens. Um, but then you're, you're tapping into the data availability layer to dra dramatically scale a lot of the other actions that um, don't really need to use up that secure polygon block space. Is that, is that kind of correct? And then if you could just comment, like, are there any trade-offs uh, you're, you're making here for, for the scaling? Yeah, there is basic in terms of um, the, the block, the, the, um, the trade-offs, I think um, what you're doing here is actually you won't have a tokenized version of um, of a content on chain, uh, obviously when are when you're using Momoka. But then, if you if the content becomes interesting, you can always um, pull it back to on chain. So, for example, let's say 
if you create like uh, five clips out of, we can actually do this as an experimentation. Uh, we could create five clips um, of of the uh, DeFi that um, this episode, um, and we can create them as Momoka transactions. Um, and then let's say that um, some of them get enough likes. So what we can do actually, we can take that transaction and convert it into um, on-chain transact on-chain asset that people can actually collect. It works a bit similar way as um, lazy main thing. So if you if you think about the the whole vision here, it's it's about um, using the blockchain in a more optimistic way, where we're saying that um, let let the users and the community or or the creators to decide what content is relevantly valuable for them to actually um, tokenize it and, and using the, the blockchain security and what content is relevant for uh, just having that data availability for them. And maybe also what kind of content maybe shouldn't use neither or uh, and just should be stored in a, um, let's say, Google Cloud. Because that flexibility is is what is needed in um, Web3 Social and, and, and even building social um, applications. And that's how it's different from, um, let's say, decentralized finance or financial transactions, because um, in, in finance, pretty much like you have to secure systems end to end and you're using blockchain. And obviously with even layer twos, you're periodically rolling um, the transactions back to Ethereum, uh, for example. Uh, but in Web3 Social, because of the amount of data, not all of the data by itself might be valuable on chain uh it might be valuable for computation that's why you need data availability as well that you know everyone has that um, democratic access to compute and build algorithms and build better things for the users um so there is that flexibility um in the stack now stani we've uh, spent quite a bit of time here talking about momoka as what you know we might call an l3 could you just try to define that for folks who are new to that term. Um, L2s have become really popular because they're being used uh, in DeFi specifically to allow us to transact cheaper and uh, be able to transact faster with a lot of the different DeFi applications like Aave. Uh, but yeah, how, how do you define an L3? That's a good question because um, we've been also thinking like what Momoka actually is. Um, so we had a lot of ideas of, of what could be like the categorization and uh, naming for, for that. And um, we we do know that uh, Momoka is a very optimistic way of, of thinking about how to build Web3 Social um, and how to interact um, with the blockchain. Um, layer 3s usually mean that um, you know, you're building something on top of a layer two. Now we've we've been building lens um, since the beginning on uh, Polygon, which is a it's it's it, technically it's a side chain, but they see kind of like themselves as a you know layer two scaling solution um, on, on the POS chain. Um, so on that perspective, it, it could be a layer three. But also when you think about it, um, what Momoka does, it it basically creates uh, this blockchain transactions, but it doesn't really roll them back to layer one, neither it creates those transactions on Polygon either. It does simulate the transactions. That's the kind of verification part where 
we are interested in whether those transactions are passing um, protocol, blockchain protocol-based rules like the Lens Protocol smart contract rules and then storing them um, on a uh, data availability layer, which is in some ways also like L1s because, you know, it's it's, it's the kind of like a baseline bottom um, infrastructure. So like, uh, and layer, yeah. So, so either it's a layer two on data availability, but because, you know, we have this verification, um, data verification um, aspect into it, um, it's kind of like a hybrid model. So I think what we're leaning towards, it's, 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 it's some sort of um, data scaling uh, solution, but we don't really have a perfect category, categorization uh, for that. So I think when we see actually more similar solutions uh, as Momoka, and I think there will be because Momoka is very useful outside of Web3 Social, for example, uh, in gaming where you want to have data availability. Just to give an example is that um, you might create a significant amount of assets, but you don't want to apply tokenization on all of those assets, but you want to have data availability. You want to store them somewhere. So that's where Momoka type of solutions could work pretty well. Um, and then you can tokenize where you actually need that. So let, let's say if the game goes down, let's say Fortnite stops um, supporting the game, all of the assets and all the configurations and everything might be still available, you know, and the game can be continued. Um, and you can still build games today that are just existing on IPFS. In fact, I created one. So that's a, another uh, um, kind of use case. So we need more similar type of uh, solutions, uh, innovation to kind of like have more categorization. Um, but also like, it's something that I want to personally hear more community, community feedback, what, what actually is the fight bucket for Momoka. Awesome. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of kind of some of the other use cases that Momoka could be used for. And and I guess that's all possible because the Lens team has decided to make Momoka open source. So really anybody can, um, you know, come to it and, and, and play around with it and, and use it for, I guess, whatever they wish. Yeah. I mean, Momoka as Lens protocol, um, as some of the clients, even like Lensure, um, Mocha as well, it's open source technology. Anyone can basically just fork it, change the uh, verif verification component into uh, whatever is their use case, what, whatever whatever kind of transactioning um, data structures it needs to verify and use it in their own uh, applica application. We're actually currently um, writing um, a Rust client uh, for Momoka as well. Um, which is going to be faster. Um, so that's something like I'm actually pretty um, excited how much we've we've been able to progress um, on on the Momoka side within our team. So um, and if there's kind of like a feedback, we would love to talk to um, different teams about additional use cases and kind of like a help to think those through. Um, but yeah, I I personally think we should use uh, Momoka. Uh, elsewhere as well because it's it's very useful uh, solution. And another kind of recent announcement we saw on Twitter was the release of the Lens SDK 1.0. Um, and in it, I think in part of the copy, it said just ten lines of code. Uh, so like this, coupled with Momoka, looks like things are ramping up for the Lens world. Uh, 
when when do you kind of envision Lens coming out of the early access uh, stage that it's been in and and opening up to I guess more broader adoption? Yeah, I mean, I personally hope that will help happen during this year. Um, it's it's definitely an um, optimistic timetable, but we've been able to ship very quickly um, a lot of the innovation that we have. Um, and obviously that the there's some crucial parts that we uh, we want to solve that before you can go into completely open um, permissionless access. But once that happens, it's just going to be a game changer um, because it means that more people can come not just create content, but actually realize how powerful Lens Protocol is and um, what Web3 Social could actually be capable of. Um, and we'll see more things being built um, because there's more ideas uh, floating around. And something I love about the Lens ecosystem is that all these ideas and feedback, they're usually floating uh, in Lens. So you can actually like find a lot of discussions and jump in and see feedback and you can ask feedback directly uh, within the uh, within the protocol itself. Um, but our goal is to build for um, also a lot of not just the end users, but the developers that are building the next generation social, uh, being as unopinionated as possible and as flexible as possible. Um, so that's why that's one of our priorities to figure out how to open more and more of that um, accessibility. But once that happens, like I think it's going to be um, our biggest uh, moments. Stani, before we wrap up, uh, can you share more about like how do you envision the future decentralization of the Lens Protocol? We know this is really uh, key to like realizing the fullest vision of Lens as a decentralized social layer. So how do you think about that? No, I, I think it's a big part of... Um, why we're building uh, Lens is to think about how we, end of the day, decentralize the, the whole protocol um, uh, uh, further. So uh, as, is, as with many protocols, they start with um, smaller teams executing, um, deploying, and, and then expanding and upgrading, uh, improving the protocols. But down the line, as, as there is more proof that a protocol has um, utility and more users uh, that are actually excited about um, what what exists, um, you start to kind of like think a bit more of like, how do we make this uh, more of a public good? Um, and usually like, um, I like the idea of progressive decentralization where, you know, you go slowly because you can move very quickly. Um, and actually, I'm very surprised how much, <laughs> how much actually things you need to ship in Web3 Social because the stack isn't only the protocol, but it's also like the middleware, um, you know, being able to create some basic discovery mechanisms, um, basic support for, let's say, um, to have performance on images and audio and video. And like, there's actually a lot of components involved there. Um, and it's not just only like the decentralized um, um, protocol aspect there. But I think... Um, it's something that happens on on uh, different steps, um, and and first is obviously opening up the whole protocol uh, for all usage, and and then thinking how to get that community into decision making. So 
how we get people who are actively using and caring about the protocol, how they can come and actually contribute into decision-making, um, which is quite great because it's already built in um, into the protocol. So you have profile-based uh, voting that is uh, possible, especially with the snapshot integrations, um, follow-based um, governance as well. Um, so even, you know, you can ask your followers what's uh, valuable for them regarding um, you as a, as a user. So I think there's built-in mechanism, but starting those feedback loops early is, is quite uh, valuable. Um, I think we're still early, um, but once, once there's actually uh, a bigger access into the protocol, uh, we can start to figure out different kinds of um, uh, ways to involve the community and where what kind of feedback slopes could be created. The community is involved quite heavily uh, in giving feedback across lands, but also the developer community is very involved. So, for example, we have uh, now our third uh, metadata standard that is being created uh, together with the community. So a lot of the clients are ex they're basically messaging um, on GitHub um, and leaving comments about what kind of data structure there should be. You know, some might prefer better um, metadata for uh, music, including like lyrics, and some might prefer more some other type of data uh, metadata structures. Um, so that's, the standard itself is in increasing. So I, I think it starts, um, it has already kind of like begun, um, but the more we go to wider user base, the more important it becomes. And the reason for that is that we don't really have all the answers. Um, we've been learning quite a lot during the process, um, but it's still we still don't have all the answers. And that's where the community plays a big role. Well, uh, Stani, uh, before we let you go, I just want to remind listeners, uh, they should learn more about Lens by going to lens.xyz. Once they are onboarded to Lens in the future, they should follow you on Lens at Stani. So that's really easy. Uh, and then I want to give you the final word. Um, anything else, Stani, that you'd recommend for folks who want to get involved in Lens uh, or follow your work and the, the work of the, the Lens and Ave team? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, Lens is also like fully read, uh, read open, so you can already follow what's going on in Lens. Um, if you're building on, on, on top of the Lens protocol or, you know, you're a creator, um, you know, you might create music or you publish sort of content, um, we, we're able to give uh, early access or add to a uh, wait list, um, uh, just DM me, whatever. Uh, on, on Twitter or other uh, means. Um, but yeah, we're super happy to to actually see now after a year how much progress there has been given that Lens was only launched as a protocol without any clients and see how actually a lot of developers are uh, building the infrastructure and experiences. And um, it's just like, um, it's it's fascinating to see like how much you can do when you build together. Yeah, actually, uh, w one other thing I want to remind folks of, uh, one of the the secrets that finally got out is if you don't have a Lens profile yet, go to orb.ac or check out the Favor app. It's P-H-A-V-E-R. And then there's a few others here too. I'm probably forgetting. Uh, you can start to use a mobile app, which is way more convenient to use on your phone. And you can start to, again, enjoy 
the uh, the Lens uh, community and and all of the different uh, applications that are built on top of it. Um, so personally, that that's where I spend most of my time is through the mobile apps. Uh, but Stani, anything else you you want to share before we go? No, that's all on my side. I mean, it's it was amazing to be here as as uh, usual, and um, hopefully, I can collect this podcast later on on LensTube. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, make sure uh, if you if you follow me at DeFi Dad uh, on on Lens, uh, I I post all of these podcast interviews for for the Edge podcast there, and then we also post clips there as well. So I have put a, a very like minimal price to collect. Normally it's like one or two Matic, but that has been so helpful to me while. You know, there can be a cost to uploading like bigger files, the types of files that we upload for like uh, these these video podcasts. And uh, I really appreciate just the Lens community has been very supportive of us. And for what it's worth, every bit of that Matic, I think I've spent every last Matic on um, uploading more videos. That's so, so that that's much appreciated. And the, the redirecting fee you mentioned, uh, I always put in a 25% referral. So if someone uh, reposts, uh, the videos that we upload, uh, and if someone collects it, they get 25% of the of the Matic. So we're we're dog fooding everything lens here on the Edge podcast. That's so cool. And I've I've been uh, I've been trying to collect every episode that um, there is. And oh, we appreciate yeah. that. It's you and my mom, Stani. It's probably just <laughs> you and my mom collecting all of I them. So <laughs> thanks, mom. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you're a talented builder like Stani, please consider reaching out to our team at fourthrevolution.capital. And for future episodes of the Edge podcast, please check out our link tree at edge underscore pod. Mm-hmm.